Welcome back to the Anxiety Slayer podcast. I'm Shan Vanderleek, and today I'm speaking with John Strzelecki, best-selling author and the creator of Big Five for Life, about how to set intentions to create the life you want. John is a seven-time best-selling author, inspirational speaker, adventure seeker, and the creator of Big Five for Life. John's Writings and appearances on television and radio have inspired millions of people to live life on their terms. He's been honored alongside of Oprah, Tony Robbins, and Deepak Chopra as one of the most inspirational thought leaders in the field of leadership and personal development. What an honor. It's so good to be with you today, John. Thanks for making time to join me on Anxiety Slayer. Thank you for the invitation. It's so great to be having the chance to talk to you again. Yeah, a little, little note for our listeners. I interviewed John in like 2008 or 2009 for my book, Life on Your Terms. That's where I got to meet him and learn about what you're going to be hearing about today, Big Five for Life, and so much more. It's just such a pleasure, and that time did zing right by, so I'm glad we get to spend some more time together today. Same here. Same here. I want to dive right in to something that I think is happening right now for our listeners and that they want to find greater meaning and purpose in their lives, but the day-to-day struggle with anxiety and depression just gets in the way. I'd love for you to share some advice on how they can kind of shake things loose so that they can move forward on that journey of finding greater meaning and purpose. Yeah, this is, I mean, I can relate to this on a personal level. This is something that I have dealt with, struggled with for as long as I can remember being on the planet. And I'm in my early 50s now. And so I will relate it in the ways that it works best for me, the ways that I've shared with others that I've seen it work for them. That said, everyone is going to find their own path with Mm -hmm. this. And so you know, one of the great things I love about your podcast is it introduces us all to so many different aspects of what anxiety looks like and feels like and solutions to move out of those feelings that make us more anxious, make us feel the depression. And so whether it's a biochemical thing, uh, and we were just talking offline a little bit about one of the previous guests you had on who I thought was fantastic in terms of her advice on magnesium, or what I'll talk about, which tends to be more from a philosophical and a behavioral standpoint. Um, I, I think it's about finding your thing. So I'll, I'm going to share my advice and, and hopefully it connects with somebody who's listening. For me, one of the, the greatest things that has helped me over the years has been allowing myself the freedom to be the best version of me, the most authentic version of me. I remember being a kid, probably 9, 10, 12, something in that range, and seeing people do things that I thought, I bet I could do that too but never having the courage or the confidence to give it a try, certainly not in a social setting, but not even in a private setting, whether it was sports or a dance move or whatever. Like I just lacked that comfort zone around myself. And what I've learned is as the years have progressed is we all have genius within us. And the trick is that you can never get inside someone else's brain to see just how much your genius is actually genius. Now, there are plenty of things that I do not do well, But one of the things that I do really well is I create stories. I create worlds. I do it in my writing. I did it as a father for my daughter when she was little. And I've come to realize like this creativity is a gift of mine. 
And what's super cool, Shan, is when I let myself play in that part of my playground, the anxiety goes away. And I think the anxiety goes away because this is a bit of the cosmic algorithm of the universe saying, hey, congratulations, John. <laughs> You're yeah. finally acknowledging to yourself, like, this is part of what makes you, you. This is what part of makes you special. Everybody's got something that is really, really special to them. And again, the more we allow ourselves to play in that part of the playground, the less anxious about life we become. Now, why is that the case? I've thought long and hard about this. And I do feel that part of my anxiety came from not feeling like I fit in, not feeling like I had found my wheelhouse, feeling like I was inferior perhaps to those around me in, in lots of different ways. And when you allow yourself to be good at something and to acknowledge that you actually are good at something, a lot of that goes away. I had a very wise teacher share with me one time that confidence in anything breeds confidence in everything. I think that's it. It's about allowing ourselves to embrace and connect with that part of us that is our unique genius and manifest that, whether it's for global consumption, if it's releasing something in the form of intellectual capital or an idea, or whether it's simply for you doing it because you love to. Building a sand castle in the sand is, is sufficient. <laughs> that just made me think of such a wonderful memory. Many, many years ago when I was in college, my girlfriend and I went to Acapulco and all I wanted to do was build a sandcastle on one of the days that we were at the beach. And it became this magnet for all these little kids that yeah. wanted to come over and play. And it was one of the first memories I have of really understanding how important it is to play, to find mm -hmm. joy in, in the moment, whatever it Maybe so. Thank you for bringing that memory up. I haven't thought about that totally. in a really long time. Well, and what you just alluded to to me. So when I think again about why in the past I had felt such uh, anxiety, had, had so many challenges with that. From the longest time, as far back as I can remember, I was trying to figure out the game of life. We talked a little bit offline about the cafe on the edge of the world and the three mm -hmm. questions there. From the time that I was little, I was asking myself, well, wait, why am I here? Like, what is the point of this human experience? And I felt very alone in asking that question. It seemed like everyone else was quite content with what was going on in the world news or sporting events or the local school dance or whatever. And I was like, well, maybe I've just got it totally wrong. You know, maybe I'm just kind of weird in that way at asking these bigger questions. But I've discovered over time as I travel the world and interact with readers and fans that that's not the case at all. So many of us are asking that question, well, wait, what is the point? Mm -hmm. It's just that there's very few outlets historically for that discussion. I mean, your program is a wonderful one for that, and more and more of those are out there. But that's really, I think, where a lot of the anxiety and the stress comes from, and the depression as well, is feeling like I don't understand the way the game is played, and I don't understand the point of the game either. And right. so when we allow ourselves to get some personal clarity on that, well, now we're not just wandering around in the maze endlessly. Now we actually have a direction and ideally it's aligned with something that is fun. It can, mm -hmm. again, it can be as simple as building a sandcastle, but that, <laughs> that makes the day feel meaningful, right? And I think at the end of the day, that's really what we're going for is a feeling of meaning in our life. I agree. And I'd love to delve further into what it looks like to create an intentional life with the understanding that, again, some of our listeners are finding it challenging to function day to day. So they're listening to you and I right now, and some of them are probably rolling their eyes about the sandcastles, right? And, and hey, <laughs> how, 
how am I supposed to to get there to find my joy, my purpose, my meaning of, of life when when right now I'm struggling to get out of bed? Yeah, and I, so a couple of intuitive thoughts come to mind about that again as it relates to my story and, and the struggles that I've had. So may may not connect with that person, but I'll share based on my experiences. Part of what I had to let go of was an identity associated with my anxiety and with my depression. And I had become really good at embracing that side of myself, which meant that I had to not acknowledge the other side, which was, I'm actually good at these things, or I actually like these other things, or I actually do find it fun to fill in the blank. Because the more I embraced those, then the less the anxiety and the depression could sort of establish a foothold in my mind. Uh, and, And that was a very interesting life experience for me of helping my brain redefine what was the state I wanted to be in. I don't think anybody wants to be in a state of high anxiety or depression, but we can get used to factors associated with that. And that becomes sort of our behavioral norm, if you will. And so for me, that was that was a big step, was embracing the fact that I did enjoy these other things. I did feel good when I allowed my creativity to come out. And part of that meant that you sometimes you do just do it for yourself. So if you love to paint, we live in a world where so much is based on what's the ROI in my time. Mm-hmm. Well, if you love to paint, maybe it's just the hour or two hours or 10 hours, whatever it takes to paint a painting. There is no other ROI on, on life than that. But the more I think about it, Chan, and I, again, go back to this question, why am I here? Mm-hmm. I really do think we're here because the human experience is the playground in which we decided to enter our, our souls into. And, and we get the statistically 28,900 days and we're going to play or not play depending on how comfortable we can get with this reality we dropped into. And the more I allow myself to say, well, maybe the real currency of life that matters there is minutes. So the amount of minutes that I get to spend doing what I like, what brings me joy, what makes my heart feel full with the people that make my heart feel full and that I enjoy spending time with in the ways, whether it's on the beach for you because you don't like the cold weather, which would certainly be me Mm -hmm. or something else, that that's actually winning. And so this is embracing a new currency. So for the person who is in bed and struggling, I always challenge myself the one minute challenge. And this is, can I find one minute today that I can allow myself to embrace the best version of me? Mm-hmm. And then I embrace that best version. And maybe that's, I read from a book that I love that makes me smile. Maybe it's that I draw if I'm an artist. Maybe it's that I phone a friend if I'm very empathic. But all I'm asking is to find, from all I'm asking of my brain and myself that day is to find one minute. And the good thing is that I can always find one minute. Mm -hmm. And then the next day I say, well, listen, I was super successful at finding that one minute. So today I just need to find one more minute. And this little one minute a day process is what enables us to get out of bed. Because over the course of the year, if you do that by the end of the year, you've reallocated about six hours a day to be in the sweet spot of who you really are. And then it becomes so enjoyable. You're like, I don't know why I would want to keep holding on to that previous definition of myself because that's not really me anymore. I can let that go. And I do it with gratefulness. I thank that part of me for being an element of my life. And I can I can move to something else now. And it's doable one minute at a it time. Is. You've really taken those baby steps and, and made it so much easier to begin to get started. Yeah, because uh, I think that's what the brain when we're in that state, tries to avoid. It's painting such a bleak and dismal picture 
that it is saying there is absolutely zero point, right? Right. There's zero point. You can trick it by saying, I I get it that there's zero point. So it's the, uh, if you've ever done improv or seen improv, it's the idea of yes and. Mm -hmm. And so when you're in that dark state and the the brain wants to tell you that, you can say, well, yes, uh, and I'm just going to go ahead and take this one minute of being in my best version of myself anyway, just for, just for whatever, right? Right, right, right. What are some healthy habits that we can employ after that one minute to cultivate more peace? I would say when you're doing the one minute and you're in the one minute of you being the best version of yourself, and again, whether that's you watching a comedy special and allowing yourself to laugh or drawing or whatever, that it's very easy to take another brief minute, moment, whatever you want to call it, and just ask yourself, what is it that I, why do I like that so much? Mm. And maybe it's dexterity. Sometimes with the neuroconditioning of our brains, we are actually wired in a way that we need physical contact with things. But in our everyday lives, we don't get a lot of that. We don't get a lot of tactile responses. And so it's a kind of a big aha moment to realize part of the reason I love to paint, if that's your thing, is because I get to hold the brush mm-hmm. and I get to swoosh it in the paint and I get to see the way in which the colors connect. And so there's a visual element. There's a tactile element that you can smell the paint. And so maybe that's part of what's missing is the stimulation that previously you haven't done because you're sitting at a computer typing on a keyboard and it's not the same. Everybody's story is different and unique, but asking ourselves that question, what is it about that minute that does light my fire mm-hmm. can then lead to a real interesting, oh, I could spend, it's easy for me to do my next minute tomorrow because now I have this awareness about why right. that minute is special to me. Oh, that's so interesting. Allowing yeah. yourself to be curious about whatever it was whatever that minute was that you chose, we are all so inundated with screen messaging. Mm -hmm. So much just coming at us, information coming at us versus going to the beach, listening to the, the surf, feeling the sand in our toes, all those things that really bring us more into our bodies and and more alive. Yeah, I'll tell you another one, Shane, this just crossed my mind. I tend to be very intuitive in doing interviews and discussions because I think our unconscious mind is constantly like ready to to send us something. And so one of the the pings that I just got was that if we allow ourselves to embrace those moments as they're happening, it opens up a pathway to something that we often can't even see. And that's mm-hmm. that's great, right? I mean, that's the whole point is just to acknowledge that there is a pathway out of this. And there's a pathway to something that makes us feel more in sync with who and what we are at our very best, our most authentic self. Uh, And part of that for me, this is like a huge part of it, was acknowledging that my contributions, no matter how big they may be, you were very kind in the introduction, talking about some of the accolades that have come about. And I'm very honored and humbled by those accolades. The truth is, and I think this would apply to every single person on the planet, is that our lives are completely and utterly meaningless. In the grand scheme of things, it just doesn't matter. When you look out on a starry night and what you see is 0.00000005% of what is in our galaxy, and that is just in our galaxy, right. and there are 125 billion other known galaxies out there, our contributions, our frustrations, our stresses, our anxieties, the things that are causing us to feel that anxiousness, in truth, are absolutely and completely meaningless. And so... 
that is a bit freeing if we allow ourselves to embrace that. Now, the flip side of it, so that we don't settle into a tremendous state of like, well, this is all pointless, right. is the question of, <laughs> well, well, what would make it meaningful, right? And so what would enable me to experience a different emotion associated with my reality? And I had thought about this long and hard, and here's the answer that I came to for myself, and hopefully this will help someone else too. And that is the minute you do something meaningful, then your life suddenly has meaning. Mm -hmm. And that meaningful moment could be something for yourself. It could be the painting, the toes in the sand. It could be that you simply help someone else in some capacity. Maybe they, uh, I don't know, maybe they're, they're ill and they need help buying groceries. It could be as simple as that. Maybe someone who's a brand new parent and man, they're feeling overwhelmed because they got a newborn and their grandparents, you know, the parents aren't around, grandparents aren't around, and they're sort of struggling to, to raise this little baby on their own. And just giving them one hour break where you sit inside their living room and watch their baby while they go take a shower, right? It could be something right. so small. But in the eyes of the universe, one is the same as a million to me. And so if I make that effort to, to do something meaningful, even if it's just one minute, one moment today, it makes my whole life meaningful. I'll share something that I think is perhaps more on a philosophical out there level, but to me, it really changes the game completely in terms of getting rid of my anxiety, allowing me to exist in that state of pure potential. And that is that I do believe the minute we do something like that, that our contribution enters the cosmic algorithm of the universe and sort of think of it as like a giant database of awareness. Mm -hmm. And so when the minute we make a contribution in some capacity, it would be very easy to say, well, who cares? Like I, all I did was like paint on that canvas or all I did was help out that mom for an hour. Again, in the grand scheme of things, pointless, except I don't think so because I think the minute we do something like that, the minute we have an interesting thought, the, make, the minute we make someone laugh, that enters the awareness of everyone everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so literally, no matter where you are on the planet, the minute someone does something like that or has that moment of awareness, it now becomes accessible to everyone else on the planet. Yeah. Now that is a game changer to me. Oh yeah, because, because it's means, such a contribution to the lightness of being. Yeah, my even my tiniest, smallest contributions in terms of how many people they touched have the capacity to have a positive impact on the world. And theirs have the same positive impact potential for me too. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's really potent. That gets me out of bed in the morning. I Yes, I can see why. You talk a little bit about uh, why it's more important to ask who instead of how. Mm -hmm. what, what do you mean by that? Yeah, this was, again, something that I struggled with for a long time because I felt I had to figure everything out on my own. And part of it was because I was uncomfortable asking other people for advice. I, I was very afraid of looking stupid because of my own insecurities. And so I wouldn't ask other people things I would always try and figure it out on my own. And the danger there is, you know, asking that question, well, how do I do this either to ourselves or just emotionally asking it or asking it out loud? The, the challenge with the question, how is what you encounter are learning curves and obstacles and barriers. Depending on how serious you are about the thing that you're trying to do, see your experience, you may embrace the first couple of obstacles and, and do your best to get over them. But I find that for myself and for most people, by the time you get to the third obstacle and on the track towards something, you usually give up. It just becomes too much. You've invested too much time. Your energy is down. Uh, your resources, if it's financial, are depleting. 
I, I was thinking about this long and hard and long and hard many years ago. And what I came up with was something that now it seems so incredibly obvious now that I know it. And when I've shared it with people, they say the same thing. And so that is my hope that someone who's listening hears this and is like, whoa, okay, that's a game changer. And it's the question is never how, but the question is who. Because no matter what you're trying to do, see, or experience, whether it's finding that one more minute of embracing your individual spectacularness or finding a way out of darkness or making a better loaf of bread, whatever, that there is someone somewhere on the planet, either right now or in the history of the planet, who has already done, seen, or experienced what you want to do, see, or experience. Mm -hmm. And we live at a moment in human history where you can actually access that in ways you never could before. It's not, whenever I catch myself, I say, well, how do I do that? No, it's not how, it's who's already done that. And I get on Google and I type the person, you know, I type in what I'm trying to accomplish and ooh, there's 10 who's right there, right? Mm -hmm. That to me is a great uh, tactical process change and behavioral change and mental outlook change that enables me to live the life that I want to capture more of those minutes in terms of currency and also enable me to, again, add my genius, whatever that is for everybody who's listening, to the world. Mm -hmm. And if you want, I'll tell you a super, super basic example of this that is laughably stupid, but it works. Yes, please. Okay. So I had written The Cafe on the Edge of the World. It flowed through me over the course of 21 days. It looked like a book. It felt like a book. I had no idea what the heck I was doing. And I took, since I didn't know what I was doing, and I was like, I don't want to suffer from how do I do this? I literally took a little book off the shelf that is one of my favorites called Illusions by Richard Bach. It was written in the 1970s. That. And I literally, Shan, took a, a little uh, measuring tool out and I was like, okay, so how wide is this book? Oh, it's four and a quarter inches wide. Okay, great. How tall is this book? Seven and a quarter inches tall. How big are the margins? Half inch margins. And then I, I set mine up to be exactly like that. Now, mm -hmm. I know that sounds like silly and possibly stupid to someone who's listening, but it's about getting forward momentum so that you feel like you're making progress towards the dream, whatever the dream is or the life. That simple little step gave me courage. And so totally, it was a perfect totally. example of <laughs> avoiding how and finding a who. The who was literally on the shelf right behind my head because I love that book. And you created the container for your manuscript right there and then with, without uh, making it any more difficult than, hmm, I'm curious about this. What are the measurements? Yeah. That's so yeah. that's so fun. I mean, I could have turned that with my brain, I could have turned that into a multiple week discussion <laughs> inside sure, my sure. own head, right? <laughs> <laughs> but why? It was yeah. it was unnecessary. Yeah. The who was right there. I love that little book too. It's easy to travel with. And after I read it, I took it down to my daughter and whether she chooses to read it now or whenever it's sitting there on the, on the shelf. That's it's awesome. There. Books have an so, energy all their own. They do. Just I was so just going to say that cool. you just pulled that out of my head as they do. Yes. I can't tell you the number of the times over the years I've had, uh, I've, you know, we'll do events and people come up and they'll say the book, it fell off the shelf in front of me or somebody gave it to me. And for three years, it sat in my nightstand. And then one morning, everything inside my being said, pick that up and read it. <laughs> yeah. Do it now. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd like to flow into a conversation about the big five for life and how the big five for life can help our listeners create their lives, take everything that you've shared up until this point a little bit further. And then of course, how they can get more information about the big five for life after our conversation today.
Sure. Uh, so this is thinking in terms, again, my own story, my own progression. There's the the state you're in where you're feeling there is no point. It's very dark. The weight, the heaviness is sitting upon you and finding that one minute of light. And that's what we talked about before. And then the more you allow yourself to experience that one minute of light and ask that question, why do I like that? You'll find it easier to find that second minute the next day and the third minute the next day. And there comes a point where you, if you allow yourself to embrace that this could be my reality, that I have genius to offer, then at some point, your mind, your heart, your soul is going to say, I'd like to play in that part of the playground now. I'd like that to be my reality instead of where I've been. Again, I appreciate what where I've been has contributed to my awareness, and now I would like to, to move into this other part of the playground. And so the question is, well, what is that part of the playground going to look like? And how do we avoid sliding back into the darkness and the uncertainty and the overwhelming options that can put us back into that state of anxiety? I created something. It's based on an experience that I had in Africa. Um, I left everything behind in my early 30s, backpacked around the world, which was a childhood dream to see people, um, cultures, animals from around the planet. And when I gave myself the freedom to do that, it opened up a window into what became this concept of the Big Five for Life. The very, very short version is that it's about allowing ourselves to identify five things that we most want to do, see, or experience in our lifetime before we die. Five things, not just any five things, but five things that mean the most to us, so much so that on our deathbed, whenever that does happen, that we could look back over our life and say, well, no matter what else I did or I didn't get to, I got to those five. And therefore, my life was the life that I wanted it to be. It was a success by my own definition of success. And that's a very important part because so often our perceptions of success are driven by people around us. It could be our parents, it could be a sibling, it could be a spouse, it could be a boss, a neighbor, whatever. But this is really about enabling and allowing ourselves to determine what those are for us. And what's super cool about this, Shan, is first of all, it gives focus. And that was a big thing for me. Because in the world of endless options, uh, that can create anxiety. In the world of endless distractions, I can find myself going way left, way right, way left, way right. And, and I don't really feel like at the end of the day, I made much progress. And that can then make me more anxious. And so this enables me to focus. And it enables me to focus not just my mind, but my resources as well. So what am I spending my time on? What am I spending my financial resources on? What am I spending my energy on? And when I align those things with my big five for life, the minute is effortless, first of all, and the hour becomes effortless. It's very easy for me to allocate my focus towards finding who's. Because let's say, for example, that in my heart of hearts, what I really want to go do is experience seeing whales off the coast of South Africa, right? Mm -hmm. it, it may seem like a huge, big dream except that the minute I get on YouTube and I type in whales off the coast of South Africa, I'm going to see a lot of people doing that. And mm -hmm. Google is a phenomenal resource for giving us connections to who's that can help make that a reality. And with a little bit of digging, I'm going to see, okay, well, this is the time of year that happens. Well, that starts to make it real. I'm going to see this is about how much it costs. Okay, well, now I can start thinking, what do I spend my financial resources on now that really don't bring me the level of joy that that experience would? And what am I spending my time on just to get through the day so I feel like the day is done as opposed to, ooh, I'm going to dedicate an hour a day towards just doing research on whales off the coast of South Africa. <laughs> Again, I know this sounds very simple and it is simple because 
it's effective. Like I, I, for myself, I have to keep things simple so that I actually take steps towards them. Yeah. But it's wonderful. It, it's a complete life-changing enabling process to give yourself the freedom to allocate your time, energy, and other resources towards your big five for life. Because then once you start to experience those, the world just, it glows lighter. And, and that's a beautiful thing. It really does. You're cracking me up today. You're so psychic. Uh, one of the things that I was going to share with you is that uh, one of my big five for the longest time was whale watching. And I got to do it this past summer on the East Coast oh. with my family. And we were out uh, on the ocean for over an hour and there was nothing happening. And they only stay out for so long before they give it up and take you back in. And I had this overwhelming sense. I had this knowing. I, I knew that we were going to see whales. I knew we were going to see more than one. And I knew that they were going to show up on the side of the boat where we were sitting, like absolutely knew it. And just was like having this conversation in my head with, with the whales, which I, which sounds insane, but it's exactly what I was doing. Not at all. And um, within a few minutes after really, really sitting with that, sure enough, the first whale breached and it was a baby. and it's baby humpback whale, and then five adults. And they played with us for over an hour. Amazing. Going from one side of the boat to the other. Talking to you about it right now, I have goosebumps. I am, mm -hmm. It is one of the best experiences I have ever, ever had. It changed everything. It absolutely changed everything because I have wanted to be a part of that experience. That, And then I got to do it in the way that I did. Yeah. I'm so grateful. Yeah. And, and the cool things about those life experiences are that they don't just have value in the moment that you're experiencing them. Like you said, now you're sharing that experience with me. So I, I grow from hearing that mm -hmm. and you're getting goosebumps as you get to re-experience that moment. And if you look at pictures or videos from that day, you will remember so many elements that our mind forgets. It's stored yeah. inside our unconscious mind. But the photo or the video will bring it all back, the sights, the sounds, the smells of that day. And that to me is one of the great things about enabling ourselves to do see and experience the life that we want to. Mm. It doesn't just pay dividends for us in that moment. It's a lifelong benefit. Yes, it is. I think one of the reasons that I struggled with embracing that type of behavior when I was younger, so I, I grew up, I was quite poor, like really, really struggled for a long time. And somehow embedded in my unconscious psyche was this fear of being ripped off. Like a trip like that, I would have, my anxiety, my stress would have come from believing that I would put down the investment on going to see whales and I wouldn't see them. Yeah. You know, I was so yeah. convinced that it was just a scam. They were trying to rip me off. And don't get me wrong. There's definitely some people out in the world who are not great people. But unfortunately, that kept me for many years from believing that it was possible. Um, we, we, I experienced something beautiful like you're describing with manta rays. We did a, a night manta ray experience. Mm. And to see man, these giant 8-foot, 12-foot manta rays inches from you was something that I never, ever imagined I could have experienced when I was younger. And it's there. It happens literally every day off the coast of Hawaii. And so these dreams can become realities. They will become realities. And I love the fact that as part of your story, you had the conversation with your brain and allowed yourself to tap into that. And who knows, maybe that was part of the story that in that moment, 
Shan communicating with the whales is what made the whales go, oh, you know what? Let's go on that side of the boat, actually. I, I think that's where she is, right over there. Uh, we, you know, we, we sort of make fun of these things and laugh at ourselves in this regard. But what the heck? I could call you on your cell phone right now, and all I'm doing is punching a bunch of pieces of glass, and you show up on the other side. How is that any less magical or mystical than consciously thinking to yourself, okay, I can sense the presence of a whale underneath this boat, and it's going to come up on that side. We have that capability. And the more we let that happen and let that flow, the, the more magic we get to experience for sure. Yeah. And wow, you just actually, through your story, just opened up one of the biggest things in terms of overcoming that overwhelming sense of anxiety. The anxiety is the belief that I'm not in control of this moment. That's what used to crush me. The truth is, based on what you were describing, what I've experienced so many times in my life, since then, since letting go of that, is that I'm always in control of this moment. And I have far greater capacity and ability than I ever thought I had when I was in the midst of that struggle. And that means that you can change this moment, your thoughts, your intentions, my thoughts, my intentions can change the way other people react to me. It can change the way the situation is going to evolve and resolve. And so that is a, a place you get to when you allow yourself to embrace one minute at a time, one minute at a time to the point where you start to realize that you are not just in the midst of the game of life, you're actually the gamekeeper. Yes. More of that, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John, thank you so much for, for carving out time and, and sharing your stories and your energy with us. What a, what a blessing to have you here. And I'm just incredibly grateful for your time. Thank you. And thank you for doing what you do. Having having gone through phases of my life where the the challenges, the anxiety, the depression were so, so challenging and overwhelming in moments, I know the difference that a single voice of hope can make. And the fact that you are out there uh, every single show, every single episode, bringing people who have dealt with this and have found uh, ways to help others, like it's an incredible service that you do, Shan. So I'm so grateful for you and what you do. Oh, thank you. That was best-selling author John Strzelecki. Learn more about John and get any one of his books or all of them at johnstrzelecki.com. 